Hi, everyone, and welcome to Good Talks. This is your host, Sarah. I'm so excited to be back with my good friend, Ben Jones. We are here to talk about race and culture um, and current events and kind of our hearts on the matter and hopefully uh, hopefully Jesus's heart on the matter. Um, but I just want to introduce Ben Jones to you. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, fam. How you doing? <laughs> Waiting for a response. Yeah, hey, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. All right, good. Hey, like, it's really exciting to to be on here. Uh, I've known you for, at this point, shoot, like, three, oh, between three and five years. It's been a blessing. Has it been that long? I think so. Uh, at the very least, since, like, 2016, um, which is weird yeah. to think about. But overall... Um, I guess, so this is the part where the guest introduces themselves. So I'm Ben, I'm currently a, uh, uh, a, a biblical studies student at Regent University, getting my master's there. I'm also currently serving as a music director at Red Church in uh, Virginia Beach, um, learning a lot, seeing a lot, and we're all experiencing the Rona, so learning how to grow in School of Rona. So currently that is what we're currently doing right now. So that is that. Kaboom. And we might want to just specify because while I will be posting the video, not everyone will watch the video. So this is primarily audio. Um, I'm just specifying uh, my cultural heritage is uh, primarily white, but I am uh, I'm half Jewish, as I did talk about on a previous podcast. Um, do you want to talk about your heritage? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I am African-American, um, which means uh, so many different things because there's so many different cultures and like a rainbow of people in my family. Uh, but yeah, African-American, grew up black, all, all that kind of stuff. So today we're going to get in the nitty gritty um, and we're just going to have this combo. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And this is not the first time that Ben and I have actually talked about this. Um, but uh, I don't even remember. Did I reach out to you about this? I don't remember if I reached out yeah, to you or. I, I, I remember closer to when things got really, really uh, serious about a few weeks ago. Um, you reached out to me, kind of just want to have a conversation and kind of just wanted to hear a little more of my story and I was able to share stuff. And then uh, you graciously asked me to just do this podcast and follow it up. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for today. So if, you, if you'd like, uh, do you have any questions or I can just start with a little bit of my story, whichever works for you. Um, I mean, you can start with your story. I'm, I just wanted to say before you started, though, like, I'm really grateful because I know that um, it can be exhausting to talk about the same thing over and over with people, especially if you feel like you have to explain yourself over and over. Like, that's me with medical stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I have to explain this again. Um, so I, like, I kind of, you know... I don't know if I like understand from a cultural level, but the feeling is definitely real being very tired of talking about the same topic. So I do appreciate you, uh, you coming out and doing this, but yeah, just, just go for it. Just tell me what you want to tell me about um, your cultural experience or your upbringing or, and we'll just start there. Well, great. Um, well, the first thing I'll get started by is, is, is um, before I actually go into that, one of the things that um that I've been praying about recently and the Lord's been reminding me about is like mercy, which is like that that's very, very weighted. And depending on, on how you're viewing things on what side of things you're on, you could take this in a different way, but I don't know. It's just, the Lord's been really, really 
speaking to me of the concept of understanding the level of 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 mercy that I am bestowed by Jesus every single day. Mm-hmm. And he he gave me a moment where he walked me through a mistake that I made um, uh, a few months ago, and he 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 showed where in scripture this mistake related to right and then he was like okay and here's the gravity of what you did so this is what this is what this means to me and I'm like oh okay and and then he was like okay now this is what this means to the people that you work with and serve I was like oh and then all I could do is realize the gravity of it and really just like honest repentance not like the self-serving repentance that i usually do and what most humans do but it was literally just like dang lord i'm sorry and then after that he was like forgive it and i was like what (laughs) so i I, i'll start that out as i guess as like the overall context of 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 my journey um just like with mercy kind of being the background to that so i grew up in an african-american home my dad is from uh, uh, the Western mountains of North Carolina. And my mom is from Camden, New Jersey. So for those of you in the Jersey area, you, you probably just went Camden. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. But Jersey though. <laughs> yeah. Jersey, Jersey. I love Jersey. I love, I love Jersey culture. I love my Jersey aunts and uncles and cousins and things like that. Um, but yeah, so it was a very, very interesting meeting of the minds from a geographical perspective. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, so my brother was born in New Jersey and they went to their Methodist church. Um, but then at a certain point, uh, God called my dad and said, I want you to go back to Virginia. So for context, my dad is, a, is of the baby boomer generation. So he's about in his mid sixties now. So he grew up in the South mm. in the fifties and sixties. So Dang. he escaped in his mind the South to my, to go to the North. Um, he was sent by the Methodist Church, kind of like as a missionary, kind of, and he he was sent over there. So he had no intention of ever going back to the South. But God is funny. So God <laughs> had him go to Regent University in the nineties uh, and back to to Virginia. And eventually he came back and. I was born there in Regent Village and uh, lived in the village for a bit. And then we moved. You were born uh, in the village? Sorry, that's like blowing yeah, my yeah. mind. Yeah, Why did yeah. I not know we, this? I feel like you must have told me this before. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, for, contact, for context for our listeners, uh, the village, it, it, it's not the M. Night Shyamalan film. Uh, it's <laughs> it's the area of Regent University uh, where grad students live. Because back then there was no undergrad program. Um, so it's just where grad students and people lived and um, a number of, of my, my brother and I's uh, old childhood friendships actually developed at the village, which is weird. Like wow. we're still in contact with some of them to this day, but That's moving so on, moving on a bit. Um, so we moved from the village and then we moved to an area called College Park, which is a, a, a neighborhood close to uh, the university. Um, so that's kind of where things shifted. Um, so in in Virginia Beach, uh, College Park is what 
I would call an urban area or what is more commonly called the ghetto. I, I grew up in the hood, but it's Virginia Beach. So for those of you who've never been to Virginia Beach, uh, the state and city are obsessed with appearances. So even if you're in a really sketchy part of town, we want it to look nice. So the uh, the city may may be like, okay, we're not going to fix your we're not we're not going to fix your impoverished uh, state, but make sure your glass your, your your grass is not too high, otherwise we'll find you. It's like okay, <laughs> okay, Whoa. cool. Yeah, it's like it's like they want they want every area to be to be nice. So for someone who's coming from like say like Brooklyn, like certain certain like hood areas of like the Northeast. So yeah, um, so we moved from Regent Village and then we moved to an area called College Park, which is right around the university area. Um, and for people who don't live in Virginia Beach, you need to understand that um, uh, where we moved to was what I would describe as the hood, but it's, it's not like certain areas around the United States where when you're driving through it, like Baltimore or, or, or Compton or, 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 or like, certain areas of Philadelphia where you drive through it and you know emotionally and visually I'm in the hood like you know Virginia Beach just so is so like concerned with appearances that they will literally fine you if your grass is too high so they really 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 want to make sure that every area looks nice so the hoods even look nice right mm. um, so we moved into College Park um, and, and we're renting and uh, that's when the majority of my memories start kick kicking in. So um, that's when I started to be around kids who tended to look like me more. So there were kids in the, na the neighborhood. In addition, we were also attending a, a, a local church at the time where its main goal was to be more international. Um, and it was multicultural in the beginning. Um, around this time as well, um we're just living and chilling and at a certain point my mom gets a little sit down with god and god tells her that uh he wants her to homeschool us and my mom had absolutely no intention of homeschooling her children at all um but uh she obeyed because um she she really trusted in what the lord was going to do and for various other reasons um we ended up being homeschooled so understand the context here we are uh, a black family we've moved into the south for a few years now uh we're attending a multicultural church uh and we're homeschooled and we're also living in the ghetto so um also my mom really really loved jesus like her and jesus were like really really best friends um and so she spent a lot of time uh making sure that we understood him but also um as a christian uh whatever she felt he told her to do she'd do it and it came all the way down to what shows we watched uh the food we ate because we had health issues at the time oh yeah we were gluten-free in the in the 90s and early 2000s that mm -hmm. wasn't that wasn't a thing in the south yeah so like and we we're in an air oh it was the whole thing so we had all these things on there and my honest experience being black was that I did not feel welcomed by other black people. Um, now, this was not true for all the black people that, that I knew. 
I had multiple god brothers, mo- multiple play cousins, like people who weren't actually my cousins, but I called them auntie and uncle, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, I would say I had like a handful of really good solid re- relationships, but like the average kid that I would meet in the neighborhood uh, who who looked like me, it felt like that there was this feeling of misunderstanding of who I was. So there was this cultural expectation of what I was supposed to be, mm-hmm. the songs I was supposed to know, the movies I was supposed to watch. And how it would usually work is that in the neighborhood, there were a few kids that me, my brother and I got along with, especially my brother, because um, he's the more social one of us. But um, there'd be a ringleader who would just have ish- an issue with me and my family. And it would just be extremely antagonistic. And we didn't know why, but my parents knew why. Um, And we'll get to that in a bit, hopefully. Um, And then at church, originally things were cool. It was multicultural. Um, Some of the people I still know to this day, but as time went on, it got less and less multicultural Hmm. and it got more and more uh, African-American focused, which in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. But when I look back, I notice that, the old, my my experience with the kids as I moved into middle school and stuff like that got worse and worse and worse and worse because once again there was less stuff that we could connect on um, and so uh, and that's mostly because uh, certain aspects of entertainment my parents just weren't cool with us watching because it just wasn't uh, uh, what they felt was healthy for me at like seven years old mm-hmm. so there is this perspective of man you ain't black like why you talk so so funny like why you talking so proper like Hmm. come on you talk like a white boy man and so my brother and i got branded as oreos so folks who were Hmm. uh, black on the outside and white on the inside um we 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 ended up i ended up like i i I can struggle with anger so i just have this stewing anger and uh various situations where i felt like uh I, I misconstrued moments of roasting as serious making fun of, but because words mean a lot to me, mm-hmm. I don't really take roasting well when it's being targeted at me. So like when uh, people who look like me were were making fun of my teeth, how big my lips were, all that kind of stuff, um, it, 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 I started to kind of formulate, oh, black people are mean. And that's how I, mm. I, I felt as a kid. And um, I, I still love my play cousins and aunts and uncles. Um, but there came a point where I felt like I wanted to distance myself from that aspect of my culture. Um, but my parents still told me the importance of our history and things that I've done. So I elevated certain figures of my culture, but like current things like urban rap and, 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 and things like that, I really didn't connect to. Also, just from a personality standpoint, there, there were just things that I just didn't connect to. Like from a personality standpoint, I connected to more with rock and indie rock and all that stuff like uh, Coldplay and, and, and worship music. And so fantasy and all that kind of stuff that at, at the time, if you watched it, you weren't considered black. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of how it was. So, so, so the majority of my friend groups, um, became more white um 
especially when we went to a charismatic Presbyterian youth group, which I know sounds weird to everyone listening right now, uh, but it did exist. <laughs> and we went there, uh, formed lifelong friendships, and I really didn't feel like I was black mm. in these youth groups for the longest time. I just felt like a kid. Mm. Um, and I felt really, really peaceful. But here's the interesting thing about it. Um, there came a point where we started to get more involved in environments uh, outside of school where mo mo most of the kids work occasionally. So my mom pulled me aside one day and she had the same conversation with my brother. And she was like, now look, um, these are wonderful people. Uh, they love you and I'm grateful. But I understand there are going to be some things that these um, white kids are going to do uh, that if you do it, you're the one who's going to get in trouble. And I heard that. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I, I, I don't understand. I was like, why, why would I get in trouble? I mean, we're, we're all doing the same thing. But she, once again, she was like, hey, you can't do everything that, that the white kids do. Okay. So that was like, hmm, weird. But I remembered that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I took that with me into certain social situations. As I grew older, uh, different uh, uh, things started to be added. So when I got closer to like 12 and 13, they were like, hey, um, once again, I love these, the girls that, that you love to bring around. They're lovely. I consider them my daughters, but understand that make sure you're not putting yourself in a situation where um, your honor could be questioned. Mm -hmm. Because if anything happens because you are black, there's less probability that they're going to believe you if, 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 a, if, if something is shared. Mm -hmm. um, so all these various conversations like this perforate throughout the years. Um, we end up moving out of the ghetto neighborhood to a suburb, come to find out it's not really a suburb because that suburb just got over gang violence. So everyone is super, <laughs> so everyone is super sketch. In the previous neighborhood, side note, uh, in the previous area to give you context for what like my childhood was like in that, in the, the first hood I was at. Yeah. Random huge dogs would just roam the neighborhood. Like huge, huge Wattweiler pit bull dogs would just roll, roam. So I don't like dogs to this day. Oh, uh, but those who, are some of the nicest dogs. <laughs> nah, nah. To to this to this day, I wondered like why don't why do I have a vis a visceral reaction when dogs bark? And I'm like, oh, that's why. Because my first, <laughs> I, yeah 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 my first interaction was like dogs. But anyway, so we're back to. Uh, the new neighborhood and everything, and I my experiences with my white friends are great. You know, I feel like, and also because I'm the few black person that that they know, most of what I do is kind of considered cool because they oh, don't really know a lot of black people. Huh. So I don't have to try as hard. Whereas among black people, I feel like because of so much stuff I don't know, I feel like I have to like either study all the cool trends mm. before I go into the interaction. Or I have to just keep silent because I feel like anything that, that I say is going to be a landmine to get roasted, right? Mm, yeah. Um, so, like, that's my experience, and that's how it is for a while. But then something interesting happened. Now, I'm not trying to get super political here, uh, but uh, we got a black president. Now, when that happened, that is when I learned that I was black. Hmm. That was like a hallmark point. Because the people who have grown up around 
started saying things about President Obama that that traveled past policy. Um, now, granted, I grew up in, in, a, in a pretty conservative area. I grew up in, in Virginia Beach with the mixed match. So understandably, folks weren't for his stance on, on abortion or, or, or certain aspects of gay rights, which came to the second half of his term, which, cool. I actually wasn't feeling him on that either um, at the time. Um, but my, my views have come to shift and evolve as I've grown older and have learned to see things in a broader context, right? Um, but what I noticed is that there would just be little things that people would say, like, it would be like, he doesn't look like a leader. I was like, what? Mm. What does, what does that mean? Or it'll be like, uh, they'll talk about, uh, uh, Michelle, just like, she looks funny. I was like, what? What do you, what do you say? <laughs> like, yeah. um, questioning, like, like the over questioning his ability to do his job, like questioning, like key aspects of his competency, uh, the rise in certain just racist imagery directed towards him, mm. like just subtle, just subtle stuff that would just keep popping up. And it got to a point where I was like, this is, I mean, a lot of my friends don't realize it, but this is racist. Like, mm. and I get there, there's legitimate political reasons for you not to be for him and like you not supporting him doesn't mean that you're racist for that but there's just other things that are coupled with this that are undeniably racist mm-hmm. and it was at that point when uh or, or certain side comments about people who are on welfare and when people talk about people on welfare i know that they meant my people mm-hmm. right and but i but they never would be reflected towards me or certain concepts of of prison stuff and certain things that that would be said it was like well more black people are in prison and we'd just be like ah but you don't understand the reason why and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and it would just be like i'm black like like there's a legitimate divide here there's a disconnect between how these people view me as a person and how they view the rest of my race and so at 13, I distanced myself so much from my people because I felt rejected. But now I'm looking back and I'm like, wait, so I'm not even fully a part of these, these folks either. Hmm. So I'm like, what, who, I had this little thing of who am I? So at 13, I was so angry at what I felt was hypocrisy from Christian people saying things that were deeply, deeply, deeply hurtful to me. Um, and I and I went overboard in my anger, and there are posts that I deeply regret that I posted when I was thirteen. Mm. Um, and I, from that point, um, it was a slow process of of me talking more to my aunt and uncle, who are very socially aware and have, you know, gone through their own struggles trying to do corporate America and being black. Woof! That's a whole different journey. Are those the ones um, I met? Yes. Yeah, yes. I heard some of those stories. Wonderful. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, that's a, just the tip of the iceberg. Um, they're good. They're but, good uh, at talking about it too. They're, very. Yeah, good at communicating. They're very good at communicating, and um, they uh, one is in the more financial sector, and one's the more academic sector. So they've seen so many different weird stuff in relation to that. 
Um, so by talking to them, I was able to kind of like process what it's like to be black in the country and process and, and kind of heal. And as time went on, my, my wounds that I, that I felt from my own people started to heal. Mm. And in the process, I've had to ask for healing from people who don't look like me and the things that they've said. So it's been like this double healing process, uh, uh, from individuals in that, in that area. And so now like I'm, I'm more comfortable, uh, around people who look like me because for a while I'd be very anxious whenever I'd go to a, a black event. Um, so fast forward to now, um, well, adulthood really, I get to college where we're still in the, uh, the last term of the Obama years and we're at Regent University. So there's peppered with subtle and not so subtle digs at people who look like me and uh, uh, an unwillingness to acknowledge and call a spade a spade when there's certain prejudices going on. But once again, I'm one of the boys. And I kind of said this in a video that I posted, so certain side comments would be said. And I'd feel hurt, but the Lord did healing. And I felt him say, don't you say anything. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he had me pray for them. So that way my heart towards these people wasn't bitter. Not everyone's journey is, is like what I had to go through, but the Lord knows that I'm proud. So he has to, he has to squash it a lot of times. Um, so um, I'd pray for them and fast forward. Uh, some of the people who've said some of the most insensitive things about my my uh, life experience uh, have really just turned around. And I've been like, whoa, I never expected you to shift your perspective on race. And you know what? You didn't, uh, for me to love you, that wasn't a necessity. But I'm really grateful that your eyes were open. And I mean that in the most non-condescending way possible. Um, but there is just a lot of instances where uh, those of us who, who who are black and Hispanic and other ethnic groups would just kind of sit and talk and be like, this is ridiculous. When we would be at Regent, just certain things folks would say, we're like, man, these folks have no idea. Like <laughs> these mm -hmm. homeschool folks from like rural America got no idea how a certain aspect of the world works. But mm -hmm. it was just kind of like this, or a professor, a, a professor would say something and then, and then you'd just be like, you kind of, there'd be a kind of an ethnic person check. So like if anyone is in a class, if a professor says something that's questionable, look at the ethnic people in the room and see mm -hmm. how they're reacting. We've, cause we've all shot each other glances and we're all like, all right, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's what was my experience there. Um, adult experience, continue to learn things. And, um, then all of what's happening recently, seeing how people are reacting, has opened up lots of conversations. So once again, it's taking that humble pie because it's very easy for me to be like, oh, now you want him to talk. Because mm -hmm. that doesn't add anything. And then I'll have to stand before the Lord and, and humble myself again. But it's been really, really good to be able to talk with people um, and, and kind of provide a, uh, my perspective and what I've gone through, kind of like what I'm doing today. And uh, so, yeah, um, so I'm going to, if you don't mind, I actually want to go back to discuss something that can sometimes confuse people who, who, who um, may not come from a, uh, a visibly ethnic uh, 
background. So what I mean visibly is your ethnicity is clearly seen by someone else to the point where you could experience a form of prejudice. Yeah. Um, so one of the things is the concept that I was told of, hey, you know, there are certain things that you're not going to be able to do be, uh, that, that your white friends may do because you're black. So what that looks like in real life is, um, say I'm walking around the neighborhood and we get to an area and it's wooded and there's a sign that says no no trespassing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's just say hypothetically my white friends say, oh, that's great. Let's go explore in this area. And the white people in the group hypothetically may be perfectly fine with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what, what is not seen is me internally processing what this means. I'm like, okay, uh, it says no trespassing. What's the probability that if this is like private property and something happens, what's the pro- probability that something weird will happen to me? Like, will, will I be the only one who gets in trouble? So already I'm not the most adventurous person anyway. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that personality trait, whenever there are certain situations like that, I have to think, mm, how, will, how does this play out for me since I'm black? Mm-hmm. So um, I could be out at night um, and also things that, that I think about is kind of the people I'm surrounded by. So if I'm just going by myself and there's a Caucasian woman walking and I realize that I'm behind her internally I go ah, I don't want her to think that I'm trying to so let me just hold back let me just distance myself because I don't want her to feel unsafe yeah or it'll just be like you know what let me just actually get ahead of her so she can see me she knows that I'm not a threat so that way nothing weird happens yeah um, or it's if I see an elderly person who does not look like me, I make the intent of smiling to be like, hey, I'm safe, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> everything's fine. Uh, at the, um, so th- those type of situations, if I'm in a predominantly, uh, if I'm in a familiar environment, but I know there's not a lot of me, I feel a pressure to be super friendly mm-hmm. and super communicating that, uh, exuding safe energy into the place. So that way it's like, oh, this is not the black guy that I've grown up seeing on television or certain aspects of media. He's a safe one. Um, and that in itself uh, discusses an overall issue that a lot of people who look like me are just bringing up is the base assumption, even if you're brought up not to see color, even if you're brought up that all people are the same before the eyes of God, we're all programmed to view people who look like me as our base aspect is unsafe and our base aspect is violent and more aggressive and more sexual and all that kind of stuff. Um, so because of that, of that stereotype, there's, there's a, and there, there has to be an effort to convince individuals that we're not that. Mm. Um, it goes from, the clothes I choose to wear, um, the voice I choose to use in certain contexts, there's my business voice. Um, then there's the voice that I have when I'm around my northern relatives. And you can attest that I was talking just slightly different when I was around mm-hmm. my Jersey people and how I was relating to people is different than how I'm at Regent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I've talked a lot 
right now. Do you, uh, I give the floor to you if you want to ask any questions at all. No, I, I mean, if you want me to, I will, but I'm, I'm feel like you're <laughs> answering a lot of questions. Like I was going to ask, what are some personal experiences that you've had um, in terms of interactions with uh, law enforcement or with um, uh, even, even just like looks or situations where you have felt unsafe in terms of, I may be suspected of fill in the blank just yeah. because of my, my ethnicity, my, the color of my skin. So, yeah. So, yeah. So what my experience was with um, authority, law enforcement, and just overall environments. Um, so that's an interesting question. So my experience, something I've said before is like, um, my, it's not a monolithic experience within, with human beings, especially like my culture. So there are things that my dad has gone through with race relations and what my mom's gone through. Wait, it's not, a, it's not a what, a lithic? Uh, a monolithic experience. Like it's not, it's not a, it's not all experiences of like black people are, are, are the same. So what my experiences is different gotcha. from what like my god brother and my, my, uh, my mom and et cetera, et cetera. So my experiences, I haven't really had negative interactions with law enforcement. Um, Additionally, um, there have been family friends of, of mine who have been uh, law enforcement. Um, some, some like of, of different ethnicities and, and some my ethnicity. I think um, uh, so. It hasn't really been that. When I've been pulled over, it's been because like there's like a taillight thing. I was speeding, or there's some expiration thing on there. Um, uh, and overall, from a leadership perspective, I have experienced a lot of favor with leaders to be able to connect with them. Like, even if there's just weird ticks about them that, that set my friends off, like, I don't like how this professor is teaching. I'm mad and I'm not going to study. Like, for me, I, I, I've had favor to be able to see what they're trying to say mm. and then see what their intent is and then establish a relationship to where I have favor. Not through brown nosing, not through manipulation, just through, I just chalk it up to Jesus. Mm. Um, uh, same with different uh, workforce opportunities. What I have experienced um, out, outside of like the subtle stuff I discussed through relationships mm. is like where I'll walk into like a store or some kind of establishment and it'll be very clear that I'm not used to being seen and there's different levels to that. Sometimes it's just, we're not used to seeing black people and it's more of a curiosity of oh wow a sighting you know <laughs> um and it can be like that um other times it's i don't care like like okay no, another one who cares like i'm just trying to handle my business but there have been other times especially when we travel to certain areas of the united states hmm. where i walk in and immediately i'm like oh this is not a friendly place for me. And mm. it's, and it's like, it can be stairs. Um, like there was one time I walked into a Cracker Barrel. I think it was, I was on, on my way to a mission trip in Kentucky and I love the, the area of Kentucky, but I don't remember what state we were in. And I walked in, and I knew, I was like, Ooh, I'm glad I'm with my youth group right now. <laughs> mm. um, I, I could, I could just feel it. I was like, this isn't a friendly environment. Um, 
Or there have been times when I've walked into a Walmart in a different state, and I've been like, ooh, yeah, this ain't, mm, yeah, I feel that. And sometimes it's just by, honestly, uh, uh, well, uh, looking at other Black people in in it. So, like, something that my uh, a family member of mine told, told me is if you kind of want to get a racial temperature for what the town is like, and this is just for your advice, mm-hmm. walk in. And look at how the different ethnicities are acting in the room. So how are the black people carrying themselves? Like, do they look neutral? Like they're mm-hmm. just trying to get what they need, need, need to get? Is there an oppressed look to them? And if, I, I don't know how to describe what that look looks like, but there's just this weight that people who are struggling with a lot are carrying. Mm-hmm. So... Um, is it a is it a I'm comfortable because we're 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 the primary culture in this establishment? Like look at how the people and demographics are acting. So there have been times like when we went to one part of North Carolina and my first question was, Okay, my grandma lives in the black area, which is kind of hmm, sketchy in her neighborhood, right? But when I we go downtown, there's like no black people anywhere. Hmm. Anywhere. Why is that? And it got to the point that even like one of my, I, I consider her one of my mothers and she's Caucasian, right? And she was like, you know what I don't like about this area? There's no black people. I was like, oh, mm. you're noticing it too. Okay. <laughs> so, it's not, so it's not just us yeah. um, who are noticing things. But uh, and when we would see black people, there was that heaviness. Mm. And the white people were just going around minding their own business like everything was fine. So when you see that, it's like, ooh. Ah, not moving here. Mm. Um, or there are situations where I've gone to a country western establishment and I walked in like, okay, I need to be extra careful here. Mm. Now, not, not not to say a lot of people, I, I don't want to throw country western places under the bus, um, but there, certain environments can attract uh, certain demographics of unfriendliness. Like it would be like if my friend... Um, my Caucasian friend, like Quinn, love him. He's like one of my brothers. If he went to one of the uh, the hood clubs in Virginia Beach, that probably isn't the best thing for him to do. Hmm. Like it's just it's just not a culturally wise thing. And he's been in those kind of situations, those things before, where he's walked in and he's be like, "Oh, I am not welcome as a white man here. I need hmm. to be on my best behavior." Right. Hmm. So. Uh, as a black person, I've I've gone to a country western thing, and what I felt was, uh, my friend would introduce me to people, but there wasn't an effort of of even though I was in I was with my friend, there wasn't an effort of the people he was around to introduce themselves to me. There was this kind of feeling of that I kind of had to prove myself. So I was like, all right, I know how to handle this. I've grown up black, so I just cut up some jokes, showed that I was comfortable, did some self self uh self uh aware jokes and folks felt comfortable and we were good but i knew i was like all right now i know what this environment is hmm. <laughs> um but i also knew that if things popped off it it, it uh if it's say like some some folks were like fighting for some reason like ha- ha- happened in clubs it behooved me to vacate the premises as a black person because i don't <laughs> not trying to have that happen yeah um so I would say that's what's been my experience. 
But what I can share is an experience of what a close family friend of mine went through. 